Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online, sunburymotors.com. Fabulous new inventory. Ford, Kia, Hyundai with great warranties. Warranty means a lot. Fabulous pre-owned inventory with the all-important Sunbury Motors guarantee that go over every vehicle. And a terrific service department that takes care of the life of the vehicle. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. All right. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day, and even those bring with them rants. Chooses Big Frank. Hooked up a little bit. Bornstrom fins through him. Henrik Bornstrom, Sanders, Vecchioni. Rolled down low, bouncing around. Bornstrom after it. In front. They score! They score! Mike Vecchioni! The Bears have done it! They are Calder Cup champions! The Hershey Bears for the 12th time in franchise history. It's sweeter by the dozen. Went out last night and won. They were down 2 nothing in that game last night. I watched some of it. And 2 nothing in the series, too. Came back, won all three games at home, lost game six, and then were down 2 nothing last night and won in overtime in game seven last night. Yeah, down two games to none because they lost two on the road. I'm not Correct, sure. yeah. But, but by a combined score of 9 nothing. <laughs> yeah. Happens. Happens. But they come back, won the series, won the Calder Cup. And uh, good call there. Um, it's great to see them as AHL champions. Well... That can't be your only complaint. You only had one. I mean, I, I talked about the draft, kept the show straight, you know, in the second half hour. <laughs> well, the other one is baseball-related that I had for today. And once again, it is the gift that keeps on giving in Rob Manfred, <laughs> who, again, should just just not – just needs to stop talking. He calls today giving Astro players immunity – not my best decision. Oh, my almighty! Oh, gee, you think, Rob? I mean, okay. good Lord. This guy yeah. just doesn't get it. Well, Still. Even um, when he's right, he's wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's like watching somebody fall down the stairs constantly. I mean... Do I think from 30,000 feet I know what the objective was? Yeah, I think I do know what the objective was. But I think the objective was two-part. All right? Name the, name the one area where management has unfettered discipline. 
What area is that? Oh, okay, I'll answer it. Right? On management, coaches, general managers, they can discipline them any way they want. What's the area they don't, that they have restrictions on discipline? Well, that I know of the players. That's right, because they have a collective bargaining agreement. There is no collective bargaining agreement for GMs, coaches, managers, none. Okay? So he took the part where he would have the most trouble doling out discipline and decide to give that part immunity, which would then give him complete cooperation from the players to get to the bottom of it. And I kind of looked at it and went, I don't know about that. I don't, not, you know, I'm not so sure I would do that. But that probably, if I'm guessing, that probably was the thought process. Okay? I can control management, so I can suspend A.J. Hinch. I can suspend Alex Cora. I can suspend uh, Carlos Beltran. I, I can suspend Jeff Lunau. I can fine. And you notice what the fine was for Houston. That was restricted. That's a restricted number. But I can fine Jim Crane. If I'm going with the players, I, you know, I can't. There's not much I can do about them. It's limited. I can't. Hey, you're suspended for a season. There's no way you're, you'd be allowed under the collective bargaining agreement to suspend for a season. I mean, their their guidelines are mostly around 80 games for PEDs and things like that. Not this. And I think that may may have played in the in the current in that current mindset. You always have to put yourself back in the mindset of what they were dealing with at the time. And I'm wondering aloud whether that played a role as how they decided to do this. Because obviously the Astros have been everybody's target on the road and should be. I mean, it should be. I'll say this. They also got to the bottom of it faster, if you notice. I mean, they did get to the bottom of it faster because in part because they probably gave all that immunity and got the, got the story from everybody, right? Yeah, that's valid. Instead of stonewalling, stalling attorneys, and it's like, okay, great. I mean, I mean, for goodness sakes, if it were a federal investigation, it'd still be going on. <laughs> it's like, how many years are we going to do this? I'm going to wrap this thing up in five weeks. It's five years. Uh, the Phillies, by the way, uh, lost to the uh, Braves 5-1 to one today. Uh, and everything was in the 10th inning. The game was scoreless in the 10th. And so they started with the designated runner. And five runs scored. Yikes. Including a bad error from Kyle Schwarber, I guess. He dropped a very catchable yeah. fly ball, too. Yeah. Now, when they had their chance, it was... Uh... Well, I mean, let's face it. Ozuna got it, you know... Uh... Well, you know, 
Harris got a single. He knocked in and knocked in Hilliard. Riley singled. Uh, Harris and, and Acuna both scored. Ozuna hit a two-run homer. This is all in the tenth inning, and then they, the Phillies got a run back on a sack fly by Alec Bone, who got uh, Riamuto in. But they get swept in the two games. The other game will be made up September 11th, uh, the one that was postponed yesterday. Arizona beat Washington 5-3. Davey Martinez got thrown out of the game. I guess he laid down in the field. He was mad. Cleveland beat Oakland 6-1. The Twins get a split of their series with the Red Sox winning 6-0. Um, Yankees have another home game tonight. They're 80th. Oh, they got Domingo Herman on tonight. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. That's great. Last night, one of the guys for the spikes picked up the rosin, tossed it down. Uh oh. And I said, Joe, it's really great. I said, you know, major league players will always help out younger players. I said, I said, I think Herman donated a bunch of rosin bags to the league, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and you're two for two now. I like it. And uh, the Giants uh, are down 3 nothing to the Padres at the end of two in the one game that's going on right now. Pirates are at Miami tonight. The odds of a sellout there are long. And there you go. You're up to date on baseball. And the NBA draft is tonight. I wonder whether it is easier for scouts to scout European players or if it's more difficult as opposed to college players. You know, like, for the most part, guys like Luka Doncic, Victor Webanyama, even all the way back to a guy like Tony Parker, for example. Uh, it's a mix, but some of the people they're playing against are men. And not other kids. So I wonder if it does give you a better feel for that player. And many Europeans, you don't want to completely um, stereotype, but they play very much a pass-shoot team-oriented game. And many of the European players I've seen come over here, not all, but many of them come over here and have really strong fundamentally. College players, again, it's the one and done thing. I I will say this, the uh, I don't think you can put a price on having somebody out there every day with um Bill Self, or previously Mike Krzyzewski, or previously Roy Williams, or previously Jay Wright, people like that along the way. I don't think you can put a price on that. I think they instill defense. They instill fundamentals. Um, I think the further removed they are from an AAU experience, the better. You know, AAU is not the great evil. It is not the great evil. But at the same time, it does promote um, I'm trying to showcase. I'm trying to showcase my talent here. 
I mean, that's why I'm playing. So I've got to show what I can do. I mean, and I understand I, I, that I get that part. Um, but once you get on a team and it's instilled in team concept, and especially in practice, the fundamentals you need to succeed at this game at a very high level, you can't put a price on the top coaches in the country. You know, and I see, for example, you know, watching, you know, I'll give Mike Rhodes. The Mike Rhodes, very much a stickler for fundamentals, just like Micah was. Micah, Micah is a stickler for fundamentals. And that does make a good draft choice. Now, that may end up being a second-round pick, hey, but it's not like we've, we've, this week we've talked about Draymond Green, we've talked about Nikola Jokic. What do they both have in common? They're both champions, and they're both second-round picks. And Matt doesn't like either one of them. So, three for three on similarities. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Want to work for a stable yet growing company? Got it. Want to work for a family-owned business with over 100 years' experience in taking care of customers and employees? Got it. Want to work for a leader in selling more cars and satisfying more customers? Got it. Who has all that? SMC Sunbury Motor Company is looking for technicians across all their departments. Whether you're an entry-level technician, an experienced technician, or someone looking for a career change, Sunbury Motors would love to hear from you. They're looking for technicians for their quick lane, car and light truck service, heavy truck service, body shop, and frame and alignment division. You can apply online at sunburymotors.com, in person at our North 4th Street location, or call Todd at 570-286-7746. Your new career of working on Fords, Kias, Hyundais, Western Star trucks, plus anything that fits in the door, and some things that don't. Join Sunbury Motors. Your new career is waiting for you. You don't like either player. <laughs> yeah. Not really. What do you have? What do you have against Jokic? Oh, well, Jokic is Jokic actually is I shouldn't say that. Jokic is actually grown on I, I like him as a player and and I I actually do think honestly that he is the best passer in the game. I really do. You so, ripped him for three years. Wins the MVP? No, oh, undeserving. Wins the MVP again? No, oh, he's horrible. Right. Wins the championship? Can't stand him. I give you credit. You're consistent. <laughs> I try. I worry about you. All right. So, uh, the NBA draft is tonight. Um, you'll see a couple of guys like Kobe Bufkin, Michigan. He may be a late lottery pick. And Jalen Hood Shafino, Indiana. And 
why is Jalen Huchifino a higher pick than Trace Jackson Davis? And that's just because it is the way the game is played today. It's the style of game that the NBA has. And while I think Trace Jackson Davis is going to find his way onto a team, A guy like Hood Shafino, who's a driver and a shooter, I think is he might get picked somewhere in the teens. He could even be a late lottery pick. And do I think he's a very good player? I think he's a very good player. Do I think he's a great player? No. But I think he's very good. Bufkin is a guy I expected to be drafted by the NBA, but did I even remotely think that he was a late lottery pick? No way. Now, look, I know Jed Howard is not much of a defender. I got it. But you watch Howard shoot the ball. You watch the crossover he has, the quickness with which he goes about it. I kind of looked at him and thought, this guy's like a 10 to 15 pick, somewhere in that range. But they say Bufkin is the better pick. Like I watched him in person three times this year, and I thought he was had, had an NBA game. Did I think it was like top 15? No, I didn't top 15, but I thought it was definitely NBA draftable. Yikes. I give him a lot of credit. I give him a lot of credit. He obviously must have gone out and impressed people in his combine work. And then what, what the heck was the player we were talking about the other day? Who decided not to attend any team invitations. I can't remember who it was. But there is this deal now that has been going on, and this really, uh, I'm going to throw out a name out there, and it's not his fault uh, at all. It's Mitchell Trubisky. What made Mitchell Trubisky so attractive to teams. He put together a really good season at North Carolina, his only season really playing, and he played well. So and so the tape was limited to the 13 games he played. And there are people who are agents, for example, that feel that if you can put down some good tape, less is more. The more tape you put down... And the more warts that may show up. And, you know, Jack and I have talked about this. Uh, Jack Ham and I have talked about this with certain players. Like, hey, you know, had a really good year. Didn't put down tape that's going to show as many warts. Guy's going to be a higher pick. I mean, we've talked about that. And sometimes you wonder, like, and there, there are one or two prospects in the, that were going for the NBA elected not to 
Um, elected not to work out for teams after the combine. That put up some good combine work. It's like, okay, time to shut it down. So we'll see. We'll see what it, how it plays out tonight. The, the impact of the NBA draft is not the same impact as the NFL draft. That's an obvious statement to make. But you have to be smart about it. And to be honest with you, the Sixers in the so-called process, all those years hit a grand slam with Joel Embiid and struck out on everybody else. They absolutely did not take advantage of all those high draft picks. You have to be able to evaluate talent at where it fits. And I will admit, the Sixers over the years, they're outside of Embiid, you know, you guys have listened to me on this show for years. Outside of Embiid, a pick I loved, and I knew he couldn't play for two years. I loved the pick. You know, I didn't like all the other picks at all. I was like, what? I don't get it. Why'd they pick him? talk where your voice counts this is the steve jones show on news radio 1070 wkok now from the sunbury motor studio here's steve jones today's show brought to you by sunbury motors fourth street in sunbury sunbury motors care routes 11 and 15 almost wharf online sunburymotors.com ford kia hyundai best of new inventory great pre-owned inventory with the sunbury motors guarantee and terrific service department that backs it all up every step of the way. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 to 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. And the outstanding Mike DeCourcy joins us. Mike, how you been? I am well, Steve. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for asking. Appreciate it. You bet. Okay, so here we are. It's draft day. Did anybody keep their name in the draft that played college basketball last year that surprised you? I think the one that probably surprised me the most was Chris Livingston from Kentucky, a player that I thought had first round, maybe even first half of the first round potential, but wasn't nearly developed to that point. Hadn't didn't shoot the basketball that well, didn't really find his rhythm as a college player even as a contributing player to a winner till the second half of last year. I thought he could have come back this year and been terrific uh, in, in 2023-24 and been, like I said, somewhere in the first round, maybe even top out of, of the first round. And uh, I don't know what advice he's been getting. Uh, look, Jordan Poole just got traded for Chris Paul. Uh, and Jordan Poole was a player that I thought – would not be selected in the first round and, the, and that I knew had first-round talent. I was wrong. He barely squeezed into the first round, and it's worked out beautifully for him. So if Chris gets taken the first round tonight, I will announce that I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I got it wrong. 
but I don't think I'm going to be wrong. No, I don't think you are either. And I was with you on Jordan Poole. I felt like, hey, NBA talent, but, geez, I didn't think he'd be a first-round pick. And he's made it all pay off to his credit. Uh, were, you, uh, were you surprised that she waited and come back for one more? No, I think that for Oscar, it was a question. Of, and he'd been in college for four years, and yeah, it was a question of um, when, more so than what he could add or whatever. And I, he'd already shown that he was the best college rebounder of the last 50 years. But the things that he doesn't do well, I, I don't know that he's going to learn them as fast. If, if at all, he's not going to learn them as fast in college as he would there because the game that he'll ultimately have to play is the game that they're playing in the NBA and the G League, the 24-second game, uh, the, yeah. the, the way they spread the court, the way they run pick and roll, all of that. Uh, you can approximate it in college, but uh, he, he needs to learn it, and he needs to learn it pretty quickly if he's going to make a living there. You and I both watched Jed Howard and, and Kobe Bufkin this year. And Bufkin is the guy that, at least on mock drafts, is the one that's rated higher. What are your thoughts? Well, I think the reason that Kobe is rated higher is because he projects to play multiple positions. He can be a point guard in the NBA with some time. He's got the ball skill, and he certainly has the dynamism. And Jed is a little bit more stationary, uh, doesn't have the ball skill as much. Uh, He's going to be a shooter uh, at, at, at heart, and he's got to make shots. He can, he can go past people, but uh, he can't create in that sense. I mean, he's, he, he can use his dynamism to get some past somebody, but he doesn't break you down the way Kobe can. And I think that's the difference between those two players. Jet's got great positional size, though. I mean, if he buys in the way his dad did uh, back in – uh, in gosh, could it really have been uh, 1994? Uh, the way if he buys in the way his dad did, uh, he can be a significant NBA player. Uh, but it, it's going to take some work, and and I'm I'm not saying he it's a, it's beyond him. I'm just saying uh, that there there's a lot of work for him to do between uh, here and excellence in the NBA. How do you look at Jalen Hood Shafino? Well, I, what I like about Jalen is that he has the ability to get by the initial defender and then play from 15 feet. And right. that's, a, that's a unique – I shouldn't say unique. That's an uncommon skill. It, it, most, most players, when they get by, they have to go deep to be dangerous. They have to go all the way to the rim if it's possible, or they have to go all the way to the middle of the lane and force that help there. Uh, for them to be dangerous. He can play significantly from 15 feet because he's so, he's so accurate from that spot. I mean, he's not Nikola Jokic in that situation. I, I've never seen anybody who shoots the ball uh, like he does from 13, 14 feet. Uh, but when he gets there, he'll have the option uh, in the NBA to kick out more than he did at, at Indiana. They didn't do a lot of off-ball action for, no. They only had one shooter, and they didn't do enough off-ball action for him when when Jalen got to that 15-foot spot. That's something the NBA will take a significant advantage of, and it'll. I think it'll work for him. I th- I do think he has a chance to be a very good NBA point guard. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he does too. He shows all the signs of it. Uh, how do you view the big man in the NBA? 
And how do you view the big man in college basketball, the way they are taught in college basketball, versus how they need to play in the NBA? You know, I think it, I think it starts really with how they're taught prior to even high school. Uh, yeah. it, w- one of the advantages, especially with big players in Europe, is that they tr- teach you the whole game, right. and, and and they have the you know the academies and the system to do that and. They don't do that here. You're big. They stick you by the bucket. Say, get the ball, put it back in. And that's a disadvantage for the American big guy. Secondarily, the disadvantage for the American big guy is what you might call it the James Weissman quandary, which is when you're that size and you learn the full game and you have that much ability, everybody has anointed you before you've done anything, and you get the idea, like James did, that you don't have to do anything. That's you don't right. need to work. You don't need to get better. You don't need to – when you get to the league, you don't have to work hard. James Wiseman should be one of the best players in the NBA right now. He's been a, certainly one of the best young players in the NBA. But he's not because he never was, was – uh, he never bought into the idea that, that you have to really work at it. That's the thing about uh, that, that uh, people don't understand about LeBron and Kevin Durant and, and Chris mm-hmm. Paul and guys like that. It's, look, I'm sure they have a lot of fun with all the money they make and all that, but mm-hmm. they are absurd workers. The time they put in the gym to, to, to get great and stay great is phenomenal. And it's a difference between those players uh, who make it uh, who, as stars and those who don't. It, James Wiseman has the ability to play at that level, uh, to, to to be a, a because he can handle it, because he can shoot it from deep, because he's seven foot one and 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 can play above the rim. But he does he he's never bought into the fact that to be with those guys, to play against those guys in the biggest games, uh, in you have to be in the gym at the same time in July that they are. Well, and that's and I've said that for years. People don't realize that the best players I've seen are all coachable, which means they are figuring out ways to get better all the time. And that's what I think some people just think you just roll the ball out and just go play. And I think some fans think you roll out the ball and go play. It's all the stuff that, that people don't see in the off season that makes them better and makes them great players. Yeah, one year one year I was out at the big time tournament in Vegas and uh, I was at the gym where most of the games were, and and there there was an afternoon a hole in the afternoon session. Uh, I think it was Green Valley High School, and Tim Gergerich, the mm-hmm. the sure. former yep. pit coach uh, who became a, a great uh, assistant to to uh, Tarkanian at UNLV, and then mm-hmm. um, and then in the NBA for many years. And he was working out some guys, and I believe if I remember correctly, Kevin Durant was one of them. And I'm just watching this, and I'm like, man, if I got that money, I'm not here. It's not, you know, yeah. I, I'm not, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I sort of understand the idea, but I also am huge admirer of those guys and uh, Steph Curry and and all those players and how much they put in to maintaining the excellence that they they attain. It just, it, it's it's really astounding how much they put into it. <sighs> I've only seen highlight packages of Victor Webb and Yama. That, that's, that's what I have to work with. What do you know about him? Well, you know, I, I do have a small advantage over that in that I watched him play in the U- – not in person. That's my disadvantage. 
But I watched him play in the U19 World Championships. I think he was probably 18 at the time. It was two years ago. Uh, he played against the United States in the gold medal game. Uh, he, they filed him out of the game. Uh, they, he, he, he certainly was an impactful player, but they filed him out. And there were a lot of times uh, when Kenny Lofton Jr., 6'6", six, six, about 245, two, maybe more, uh, you know, wasn't exactly a spelt guy, but uh, has a lot mm-hmm. of uh, low post skill, and he really knew how to play against that kind of that kind of length and, and size because he just you wore him out with his physicality. Yeah. I, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see. I I, I understand the um, the appeal and the allure. I, I do retain the slight skepticism, and I may be, you know, that may be blown away in his first NBA game. Right, sure. But I, I, I you know, he, he's so thin, and, and he, you know, the, the incredible skill that he has for a seven-foot-four player that he has on the perimeter. I mean, he's a remarkable ball handler, excellent shooter. Is it that valuable for a seven-four guy? That's what I'm interested to see. The NBA has come a long way since the 80s when Ralph Sampson was a very similar player, but much yes. stronger. And yep. he was an he was a very very good NBA player, maybe even for moments at a time a great NBA player. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't a superstar. He wasn't a transcendent player. Uh, he was certainly somebody that I'm sure that Houston was happy they took, other than the fact that he was often injured. Uh, yep. But he didn't change the league in the way that everyone thought he would going in. And so I am interested to see what Wenbanyama can do. I think you've echoed pretty much what I've said about him. I, you, know, you can see there's great talent there. I just want to see how it translates on a day-in and day-out basis in the league and how the league adjusts to him and then whether he right. can adjust back. Uh, exactly. How do you feel about... Uh, Look, college isn't for everybody, as, as we all know. Um, I'm not so sure that those in the, in, that run colleges would agree with that, but it isn't for everybody. Uh, how do you feel about the G League guys, like Scoot Henderson, the Thompson Twins, and so forth? And what do you think a move like that to play at G League Ignite, for example, can that help a player? You know, you're, you know, what's your opinion on that? Well, um, you know, I think that, that first of all, it, it, there's a difference between the Ignite program that, uh, that Scoot Henderson was in and some previous players have been in, and the That's right. overtime elite, which is what uh, you see uh, the Thompson brothers coming from uh, that's yeah. that's where they played and so there's a little bit of a difference i i I got a good chuckle uh, at the overtime elite uh, was described uh, in a Article that Seth Davis did, quoting a lot of anonymous NBA scouts in the Athletic, uh, where one of them said that uh, that they thought that the overtime elite program was glorified AAU. Uh, so Ooh. I got a I got a kind of chuckle out of that. The G League Ignite is not. I mean, the G League Ignite right. is you play against some real dudes uh, who are very good players, um, and you're not playing in any games that matter ever, uh, right. but you're playing against real competition. And and it's hard. So if you're in that league, uh, you they, they you don't play quite the same schedule or quite have quite the same obligations that a customary G League player does, and you're paid much better. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, you've got to be up for that competition, or you're going to get overwhelmed. 
Right. And there's no question about it. And it's right. In G League Ignite, they play against, like, you're right, dudes. I mean, without question. Uh, have you seen Scoot Henderson at all? Just in the, te- the some of the television game that he played against yeah. the Wembenyama yeah. team. That was really the only yeah. exposure I had to him. Looks uh, very dynamic. Uh, I, I hadn't. I, I did not see him. Uh, I've not been on the uh, AAU circuit in a couple of years, right. so I did not sure. see him at that level. So that was my one exposure to him. He certainly looked impressive, uh, but there are people who have seen much more of him than I have. In general, Mike, finally, how do you view the NBA draft? Because we all know how how the NFL draft works. How do you view the NBA draft and the 58 picks that they're out there? Well, you know, I think some. it's interesting because whereas in the NFL, they're valuing the seventh pick in, in the round, the seventh round right. pick. They value yes. that pick. They're going to do yep. the best they can with it. There are times in the NBA where teams take players – uh, European-based players because they don't want to put another player. They, right. They're like, okay, we'll take this guy. Maybe he gets good and it'll be worth our while, but maybe he doesn't. That's okay because we didn't want to bring anybody in anyway. I think right. as, as rosters have expanded, that's been less true, but it's still not totally untrue. Uh, so I think that that's part of, you know, that's been part of the process. I, I, I'm, I'm a little frustrated. You know, I mentioned Chris Livingston before. Uh, mm-hmm. Amari Bailey out at UCLA, kind of the same thing. I'm a little yeah. frustrated in that I thought that we would see fewer of these one-and-done players, uh, we, we, that we would see fewer of them that, that go to college and don't become first-round picks and still go because they can get money in NIL. So I thought yeah. we'd see fewer of them, and I, maybe we have statistically, but they're still out there. Uh, I'd like to see none of them. Uh, I want them to be in the first round where they belong uh, and where it's most lucrative for them. You go into the draft as a first-round talent, as a second-round pick, you may never make up that money that you lost right. by going through the side door. Yeah, yeah, because it's going to be interesting. I want to see what happens. Now, Lundy's a four-year player. Pickett's a five-year player. They're done. Derek, yeah. Lively, from, Derek Lively from Belfont. All right. Uh, oh, he's going to be a first-round pick. He, he's he's going to be a top fifteen pick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when, it, when, it, when it's all said and done, and uh, you know, and you know, Kathy Drysdale was a former Lady Lion basketball player, works here at Penn State. So, right. so I'm interested to see how he does. I remember watching him when he was a little kid. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, he can hey, he can really play. <laughs> it's like great. Chalk up another guy that's better than me, and he's four. All right. <laughs> Mike, thanks so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Mike DeCourcy, Sporting News, BTN. We'll wrap it up in a moment. We'll find out what Matt learned on today's show. Yeah, we'll find out what Matt learned on today's show. Here it is, Radio 1070 WK. Okay. So what did Matt learn today? <laughs> this is our new segment of the show. So I feel like I'm one of the out. Danettes now. Let's find out what Matt learned. <laughs> Two things just in this past uh, past hour, I'll say. One is Andrew Funk. I will definitely be keeping an eye on what happens with him in the next couple of days. And I'd love to see him in a Sixer uniform. I think he'd be a good fit. Just saying. Well, that's one. And two, 
I am not the only one who's got some slight skepticism with all this hype around Victor Webinyama because I also agree you can have all the talent in the world you can want you can be 10 at 10 feet tall if you don't have any physicality if you don't have any bulk on you if you don't put on weight you're going to get destroyed in the NBA you cannot the NBA the NBA is going to eat you alive at least to start now he can put weight on he can adjust and things like that but I totally agree. I think that is something out there. Twigs do not well, ha- have an impact in the NBA. Haven't I been saying this, though, for the last couple of weeks? Like, he obviously is a talent, but I want to see how this plays out, you know, because he's going to have to be playing against men. I mean, I've been saying that for two weeks. I said, look, like, slow down the hype train here a little bit. I mean, it's uh, I'm kind of taken aback as to, why there is like the hype is beyond words when it comes to him. He is a wonderful talent. No getting around it. Seven five could put the ball on the deck. Good passer, shooter, step back. And he's got a lot of things going for him. But he is gonna, you know, he's gonna be facing guys that also know how to play on an every night basis. And I would like to see a body of work first before I jump on any hype train. That's right, I don't jump on any hype trains. That's true, Mr. Forty Five Heart Rate. Well, I just don't, you know. I I like to see a body of work. To then really giving us a look. Have I watched him play? Except for highlights. Matt, I have not watched him play. Except for highlights. Scoot Henderson, the Thompson brothers, I have not watched them play except for highlights. That's it. I mean, the guys I've kind of commented on, we were talking about Black from Arkansas today, you know, with Roger. Well, I saw him play twice in person. So I... So I have a feel as to how he plays the game. Hood Shafino of Indiana, Kobe Bufkin, Jed Howard. These are all guys I saw play. So you have a feel for them as opposed to guys you don't. 